Because he lives, right? Because he lives, we can face tomorrow with no fear. All right? You know that old saying, um, I don't know what the future holds, but thank God I know who holds my future. And because he lives, okay, come on. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. You know, Jesus told us what we're getting ready to face. We spent some time working on that. Jesus told us that there's going to be prophets, these that are false prophets that are going to rise up and they're going to deceive many and they're going to be deceived themselves. And so confusion is going to come into our future. Confusion is going to come into this world, but we don't have to worry about it because he lives Okay, come on. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. That's what it is. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. That's exactly right. It doesn't matter what's coming our way. Jesus told us that lawlessness is going to increase. Are we seeing that at all? Are we seeing that like everywhere? I mean, just, just this morning. So I'm, I, I'm walking up on the the ushers and they're they're all huddled up in the corner over there at the usher station and they're like I'm thinking that they're they're like doing all this spiritual stuff getting ready getting their hearts ready you know and I as I walk up I'm I hear them talking politics and I'm like are you really talking politics on Sunday morning and they're like did you hear what's happening did you hear what's going on and they're telling me about this stuff that's in the news about the lawlessness the rampant lawlessness that's going on in the world today it's going to increase it's going to increase to the point where everyone will be doing what is right in their own eyes. And how did that go for all of us back then when everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes? What did God do? Yeah, he wiped out the world. Okay, this happening, it's coming. But because he lives, you guys need to get into this. Let's practice it one more time. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Jesus told us that here's, what, here's what's in our future. They're going to hate you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to say all kinds of evil things about you. They're going to come and they're going to kill you. And because they hated me, they're going to hate you. My friends, that's what's in our future. And we don't know how far away it is. And it feels like it's not that far away at all. But because he lives, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. We don't have to worry about it at all. All fear is gone. Because we know the one who holds the future. And we're in a relationship with him. And this is what we celebrate. But I want to just say right now, at the very beginning of all of this today, before we even open the word and crack the word, you might be here and you don't know Jesus. Without Jesus, you have a very uncertain future. Jesus has some things to say about the futures of those who don't know him. And it's not very good. What we would love today is for, what did the song say? For hell to lose another one. <laughs> I love that part of the song. Hell lost another one. I am free. This is the business that Jesus is in right now. And this is the business that we partner with him in right now is to share the good news that if you don't know him, you can be set free from your sin. You can be set free into eternal life and abundant life here on this earth so that you don't have to worry just like the rest of us about what the future holds because we know who holds the future.
I'm excited about that. Hey, go ahead and have a seat, and um, thank you guys so much for sharing with us and for leading us in this way. Why don't you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter with me. 2 Peter chapter 1 is where I'm going to be um, today. Hey, I had a great couple of days. Robin and I had the privilege of going to um, Dallas, uh, just outside a little town called Bowie. Anybody know where Bowie is? You heard of the Bowie knife? They actually have this giant Bowie knife uh, in, as you walk, come into the town. There's really nothing out there, absolutely nothing. But um, we were with Time to Revive and um, dreaming on the future. And we were talking about the very thing I'm talking about now, how the future is so uncertain, and yet it's certain. It's uncertain in that we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but it's certain because the Bible, God's word, tells us exactly what's going to happen. And all the things that we talked about already this morning, these things are going to happen, but we don't have to be worried about that. In fact, it ought to excite us and it ought to energize us to the point where we're going out there even stronger with the gospel than ever before. That we be more purposeful now with the gospel and with the advancement of the gospel all around the world like we never have before. The church needs to rise up and share Jesus because time is getting short. And they, um, they it's, it was called the tip of the spear is what it was called. It's classic Kyle Martin. And um, we were just talking about this. We were talking about and dreaming on an initiative to literally take the gospel to every nation through Revive School. And what we've often talked about is that the church is designed and evangelists are designed to equip the church of Jesus Christ to share the gospel, to go out into the world and take the gospel to everywhere, to everyone. And so these revive schools that they have are designed to train up the remnant, train up those of us who know the Lord who, and to be able to go take the gospel out and train up other people who will take the gospel out so that we can cover the entire nation. And the scripture says that when everyone has heard, this is what Jesus said, and when all the world has heard the gospel, then I will return. And so they've launched an initiative I'm going to tell you about um, soon. Actually, Kyle's going to come and, and share some of it with you. Um, it's a $5 million initiative in order to get revived schools in every nation. Right now, they're in 96 nations with revived school. Some amazing things are happening. And you guys, I, just can't, I can't spend time this morning telling you, but there's some really fun things that are happening where literally because of Malawi, okay, and, and just in the season of generosity, we were able to um, put a Bible in the hands of every person in the prisons in Malawi because they're setting up revived schools in Malawi right now. And so we were able to buy the Bibles that go into all those prisons. And right now, because of what's happened in Malawi, because the president is, of Malawi is a strong believer in Jesus Christ, they're leading the way in Africa and different kings and presidents and dignitaries in other countries surrounding Malawi are calling in to Malawi and saying, help us bring repentance to our nation too. Come on, you guys. That is like, that gives me goosebumps all over my body to think that they're actually asking for it right now. They're coming and saying, please send us help Help us understand how we can bring repentance to our nation the same way that it came to Malawi. And you know what's so fun is that we get to be part of that. We get to play a significant role in what's happening on the other side of the world in the advancement of the gospel for the kingdom of the Lord as we, as we get near the end. 
All right, Second Peter 1. Let's jump in uh, to what we're gonna talk about today. I just wanna read verse two and three to you as we set the stage. Set your mind and heart on what we're gonna talk about. This is what Peter says to the believers. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So let me just stop right there and just, is it, encouraged? it is an encouragement to your heart to know that grace and peace can be yours in abundance. Who wants to vote for that? Who wants to say yes? I vote for grace and peace to wash over my life, every aspect of my life. I want the grace of the Lord, I want the peace of the Lord to flood my life in abundance. Who wouldn't want that, right? It's available. Peter's saying that there is a way that you can find the grace and peace in abundance over your life. And here's what it is. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Where, excuse me, I just burned my mouth off. Um, where, where does the grace and peace in abundance that can be yours come from? The knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus, our Lord. Verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need How much has he given us? Everything we need for a godly life through, here it is again, our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We know from other places in the scripture that he has looked down in eternity past and he saw you and he called you by name and he predestined you to be his son or his daughter, to be in his family, predestined you to be saved and he sent his Holy Spirit to save you He called you out of this world to be his own, his own child. And through the knowledge of him, let me just do this. Through the knowledge of him, you have everything you need for a godly life. And you have access to all of the grace and peace that can be yours in abundance if you will hear and heed to and let the word of God dwell in you richly, you will have these things. That's what we're working on today. We're we're building our lives, right? That's what we're doing. We're building our lives. This is our series. uh, Foundational choices we're learning about that we can make for survival from all the storms that want to knock our houses down. And they're all around us. And so far we've worked on identity choices, which is who are we in our relationship to God and his love. And I hope that you've been making uh, choices to move closer to God where you're putting him over yourself and choosing his love for yourself. I hope that you've been working on that. Last week, we shifted and we made it clear that um, we are not the boss of our lives. That was, the, that was the, the key to last week. The lordship of Christ, choosing Christ and his lordship over every area of our lives. And we, we've been experimenting with bowing the knee every day. How's that going for you? You guys doing all right? I have, I've been so encouraged. Okay, now, um, six of you nodded your head. So I'm, I'm hoping it's more than that. I'm hoping you're taking on the challenge. I've been, I, I know it's more than that because I've been hearing great stories uh, from different people about what God is doing. In fact, stories like, I got down on my knees and I couldn't get up because I got a cramp in my leg and I couldn't get up. <laughs> Okay, well, that, that's just proof you need to do it more, right? <laughs> that's just like every day we got to do it more. Getting down on our knees before the Lord every day. 
before we do anything else, the first thing that we say, the first thing out of our mouth, the first thing out of our heart as we wipe the sweet sleep from our eyes is to say, Lord, you are my Lord. I declare you Lord of my life today. I give you every part of my life today. Help me by your Holy Spirit to make better choices today than I made yesterday. And use me according to your will, not according to mine. I surrender myself to you. I hope that you've been doing that. I hope it's been a very special thing. I've been hearing stories about how it has changed the way that we think throughout the day. It reminds us, because we started the day that way, it reminds us, hey, I made a commitment, and so I'm not gonna make that choice for myself. I'm gonna make this choice for the Lord. I'm so proud of you for jumping in on that. Well, today we're making another authority decision, and that decision is to accept God's word as the supreme authority that governs and guides our lives. That's what we're gonna be working on. This title of the sermon is God's Word is Supreme, Submit to it. We're gonna be working on this concept that God and his word are superior to any other philosophy or opinion or practice or wisdom that can be found on the earth. That God's word is supreme. In fact, Psalm 138 says it this way. You have exalted above all things your name and your word. Okay, hang on a second. Who, who's exalting what? Is David exalting God's name and his word? Who's David talking about? He's talking about God. He's okay, God, God, you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Can he do that? Pretty sure he can. He's God Almighty. Okay, but are you listening? Are you listening to that? That is very fundamental. That God has exalted above all things, above everything, his name and his word. Let's start with a let's start with this prayer of David in Psalm 31. Lord, I trust in you alone. Okay, can we just, let me, let me, let's do it this way. You just bow your head and let me pray these words as though they're our own this morning as we jump into this very important subject. Let's pray together. Lord, I trust in you alone. You are my rock and my fortress. Lead me and guide me. Keep me from the trap that is set before me. You are the God who keeps his promises. We've been singing about that all morning and I worship you only. I am trusting you, O Lord. You alone are my God. My times are in your hands. How great is your goodness. You have stored up great blessings for those who trust and reverence you. Your never failing love protects me. Love the Lord, all you who are his people. 
for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him, but harshly punishes all who haughtily reject him. So cheer up, take courage if you're depending on the Lord. Amen. I'm confident. I'm, I'm actually very encouraged in my spirit about you. I'm confident that as we do this work together, that there's a better future for you and for me. I'm not talking about the future the world is bringing against us that we spoke of earlier. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your future and my future in the Lord. I am confident that there is a better future out there for us because we're doing this work. I'm talking about the guarantee of a wonderful, fulfilling, joy-producing, incredibly productive future for your life and mine if we keep doing the work that we're going to be that we're working on now and are going to be working on for the next several weeks. I'm confident that it's right here in front of us and it's not more complicated than the choices that we make towards godliness and towards righteousness. I'm confident that there is a future out there for all of us that's free from the darkness of yesterday's poor choices. I'm confident that there's a future out there that's not held hostage by the failures and the dysfunctions of other people who have brought darkness into your world. I'm confident and excited that you and I can make choices today to walk out of, out of all of that yesterday into the glorious reality of tomorrow. That the Lord sitting on the throne of our lives and his word taking the supreme place in our lives and our submission to those two things will radically change your life and mine. Now let me draw your attention to this passage again in 2 Peter chapter one. And I kind of want to speak to you through the shepherding voice of Peter as though these words were my words for you. I wish I could write these kinds of words to speak over you as the, as the flock of God. Hear these words. Because this is my heart for you as it was Peter's heart for the church. I intend always, this is verse 12, I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1.12. I intend always to remind you of these qualities that we've been talking about. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. <laughs> I was talking to Robin and she's looking over my shoulder and she goes, what are you gonna be preaching on Sunday? I said, the authority and supremacy of the word of God. She goes, again? <laughs> and I, Haven't we gone over this before? What's the answer? Yes, we have. Are we gonna do it again? Yes, we are. And will we do it in the future? Yes, we will. 
I intend always, always to remind you of these things. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. (laughs) Why would we do this again? Because here's why. Write this down. This is perfect for your kids. You can use this on your kids all the time. Required knowledge needs regular review. Write that down. Required knowledge needs regular review. And this is my job, you guys. This is my job to remind you that God and his word are supreme and the final authority on all things pertaining to life and godliness. All things your life. God The Lord Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and the holy word of God is authority and supreme over your life are the most important things you need to get a hold of before you can do and accomplish anything else in your life for the Lord. Look at verse 13. I think it is right, as long as I am in the body, to stir you up by way of reminder. That means to arouse your spirit it literally means this, to shake you awake. I think it's, it's right, and as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to shake you awake, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. My commitment to you is to constantly shake you awake about the truth of God and his word so that when I am away from you someday, you won't forget, and it won't get lost And we won't have a lost generation who don't know that God and his word are supreme and superior and sufficient. I'm going to continually pass it to you. And you need to pass it on to your kids. And you need to keep it going from generation to generation. Whether I'm here or somebody else is here in the pulpit. Bringing this before you. I want you to hear that we are totally committed here at FBC And we will never tire and we will never stop reminding you that God's word must be the number one authority in your life. Authority, we talked about it last week. Look at the definition one more time. The power and right to give orders, make decisions for others, and enforce obedience. When you apply this to our lives and apply this to biblical authority, Biblical authority means this, write this down on your notes, the conviction that no truth trumps scriptures. The conviction that no truth trumps scripture. Got any rook players out there? Five people play rook? We need to change this. Rook is a Baptist card game, you know that, right? (laughs) We couldn't play with cards when I was a kid, so we played Rook. And we had tournaments, church tournaments at our house. Round-robin tournaments. Robin wasn't there, but we had round-robin tournaments <laughs> playing Rook. And so it's a big family game for us. So we were just with my family a couple of months ago, and um, of course we played Rook because it's a big deal in our family, and we're serious about it. I mean, your identity is in, is, is in whether you can win at playing Rook and dominate the people that you're playing. So it's very important to win. And so in in Rook, you know, you have 14 cards in each color plus the Rook, okay? So there's 15 trump whenever you decide what trump is. And if you get the bid, you you gotta win. And so you can take and you have a kitty and you can put points in the kitty, okay? But the person who gets the last, the last trick in the game gets the kitty. And so you have to make sure you can get the last trick. And this is what happened to me. I was counting the cards. I was counting 
how many Trump were out there, okay? So there's, you know, 15 with the rook, and so I'm counting, and I'm, I'm confident that, that all of them had been played, and I didn't have any more Trump in my hand, but I had an ace in one of the other colors, okay? And that that's trumps everything unless the Trump is out there, okay? So I slapped that baby down with confidence on the last hand, the last trick, because I had a bunch of points in the kitty, only to find out that I had miscounted. <laughs> and my mother had a trump. And she, my 91-year-old mom trumps down on me, and I lose the, that trick, I lose the kitty, and they set me, and we lost the game. My 91-year-old mother. Stupid story, but listen to me. Biblical authority is the conviction that no truth trumps the scriptures. You can be confident no one's ever gonna play a card that will trump the scriptures in your life. No one will ever have a sneak card out there on you that says, aha, I got you. You're, you the thing that you think is truth in your life is not truth in your life. That's the biblical, that's what biblical authority is. It's our conviction that there is no truth outside of God and his word and that all truth originated from God and can only be found in God and his word. Anyone who tries to tell you that there is truth outside of what you can find in God's word is not truth. I'm not sure you believe me on that. The way that you just reacted. Do you think there's truth out there that God doesn't know? If people try to come to you and say, uh, here's a truth, what do you do? How do you know if it's truth or not? You test it to the word. If that's a new concept for you, get your head around it. Get your heart around it. No one can come and say, here's something new for you. And here's some new thing to challenge your life. Here's some new thing to guide your life. This is some new thing for you to understand. Without you being able to go, uh, okay, I've never heard that before. Hang on a second. You know, I just don't find that anywhere in here. In fact, this is what this says about the thing that you just said. And so I'm confident because of my conviction on biblical authority that because it doesn't say anything about it in God's word here, and because it contradicts God's word, what you're trying to say, then it is not truth. Because all truth is found in God and it originates in God. Just like light originates in God, there is no light outside of God. And if you don't have Christ in your life, then you don't have the light of the world. You don't have the light of Christ. You don't have the light of God. Just like love. Love originates with God. There is no love in this world without God, true love. There's sexual love. There's selfish love, but there's not sacrificial love. It doesn't even exist. Only those who are in Christ, only those who are in God can know this love. Same thing with truth. If you're, if you're doubting me on that, I, some of your faces are like, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not, if you're doubting me on that, we need to talk. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Jesus said it like this. I am the way Oh, you know that. 
Do you believe Jesus? Okay, see, why do you believe these things, Phil? Because we, we, by faith, we believe that God is real. We believe that he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. And we believe that this Bible is truth, that it is his word and it is truth. Because he says it is truth. And he has exalted his name and his word above everything else in the earth. And so Jesus says, I am the way. There's only one way. I am he. I am the truth. So there is no truth outside of me. And I am the life. And Jesus is, by the way, the word. Right? This is Jesus. The word is Jesus. And he was there in the beginning. True Christ followers must and will submit to the commands of God and his word. John 8, 47. Jesus, these are Jesus' words. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. I hope you're listening. Do you remember a time when a person that you know or maybe that you love or a really good friend of yours actually took a stand against God and his word and they, in rebellion in their heart, like a little child, they were saying something like this, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what the Bible says about that, but, you know somebody like that? Can't tell you how many times I have counseled men especially, men are especially guilty of this. Yeah, whatever. I know what the Bible says. You try to share with them. Okay, this is the truth about what's going on in your life. This is what's gonna happen. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But that doesn't apply in my life. Listen to me. Biblical authority is what we're talking about. There are no buts when you come against the supremacy, the superiority, and the authority of God and his word as it relates to your life. No one should ever be in a place where they're like, yeah, I know what God says, but don't ever get there. That's a dangerous place to be. Isaiah said it like this, listen, O heavens, and pay attention, all the earth. So in other words, everybody better listen. This is what the Lord says. When God speaks, you better listen up. That's what he's saying. So I have a question for you. Are you under the authority of the word of God. I don't know, Phil. Well, let me ask you a question. Does it change your mind about how you think? Does it change your heart? Does it change your feelings? Does it have the power to change your direction, like to like stop you in your tracks whenever you're going a certain way and you're thinking about something in a certain way and you're feeling about something in a certain way? Does it have the power to stop you in your tracks and actually turn you and set you on the right path? If it does, then you're on the path of authority of God and his word over your life. Psalm 119 says it this way, how could a young man keep his way pure? What's the answer? By living according to your word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Peter's goal, my goal, um, the goal of the elders of this church is to remind you and to stir you up and to ask you on a regular basis, are you under the authority of the supreme, superior, sufficient Word of God. 
you need to hear this. If, if, God, if God and his word are not supreme, if God and his word are not superior, if God and his word are not significantly sufficient for our lives, then we have nothing to place our trust in. Then there are no absolute truths. Everything is relative and subject to the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of human beings. And if that's true, we're toast. Because truth gets relegated to the opinions and the whims of mortal men. And how is that going for us? There is so much nonsense out there that makes perfect sense to the hearts and minds of unregenerate people. Unregenerate means they just haven't come under the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit hasn't changed their heart and their mind. And stuff that we look at and think about, it's like complete nonsense. Have we lost our minds? That's what I say to myself. If I'm listening to the news or if I'm talking to people out in the street, do you really believe what you just said? Yeah, I totally believe it. There's only one truth, and it's God and his word. It is supreme, and it is authoritative, and governs everything else. Let's keep going. Look at verse 16 of 2 Peter. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In fact, he's saying, we aren't making this up. It's just not some kind of clever story that we're telling you. We actually witnessed it. We were eyewitnesses. Verse 17, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, which was, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this voice born from heaven. For we were with him on that holy mountain. We were there, Peter says. We were witnesses. We actually heard it with our own ears. But wait, we have something even better than our eyewitness experience. Verse 19, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. And he's referring to the Old Testament scriptures, which, by the way, is letting us know that those are authoritative also. We have the prophetic words more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. It's just like David's words where he said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know what that means? That when you read God's word, it actually shines a light on your feet and lets you know where you are. God's word will actually show you whether you're on the right path or not. It'll actually show you when you're not on the right path and it'll, it'll lighten up your feet and you go, oh, I didn't know I was here, but then it will shine a light to your path, the path you should walk on. That's what the word of God is when you open up the word of God. It shows you where you are and tells you where you need to go. Amen. We're building our lives, right? Why do I run out of time all the time? Anyone out there know what I mean when I say that nothing of quality is built without a blueprint? I know. Some of you are like, blueprint, smooplint, whatever that word is, you know. I'm just, I don't need a blueprint, you know. I don't need directions. Bring me that 
850 piece thing. I'm gonna put it together and, well, don't you wanna read the directions? I don't need the directions. When you get done, you have like, you know, 560 pieces left over. You're like, man, they gave me a lot of extras, you know? No. Nothing of quality is ever built without a blueprint. When you build buildings, when you build houses, you work off of a set of plans, carefully designed by skilled architects and engineers. Did you know that they have to carry insurance after they do these blueprints? You know why they have to carry insurance? It's because if something goes wrong in the build, if something doesn't come together, if like you're four inches off, this wall's coming into this wall and you're like four to six inches off, who are you going to go to? You're gonna go to the engineer. You're gonna go to the architect and you're gonna say, hey, 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 you messed it up. I was following your plan. These carefully laid out plans, I was following the plan and it didn't work. Nothing of quality is ever built without a trusted set of plans. And we get this in the construction world. You get this, totally. What's curious to me is that when it comes to the building of our lives, we think we can go it alone. I don't need no blueprint. I don't need a set of instructions. I got this figured out in my life. We think we can like haphazardly slap something together and it's going to be miraculously fabulous at the end of it all. When we get all done with it, it's going, everything's gonna work and everything's gonna be great and it's gonna stand the test of the storms when they come. In fact, some of us just keep on going even after we step back and we take a look at it and it looks like a mess. We're like, what is going on? What am I building? And then what we end up doing is we end up like just putting our head down, grabbing our hammer and just keep on going at it. And you're just making a mess of everything. How many of you would agree that that's a foolish plan? Just go it alone. I'm just gonna make it up as I go along. Yeah, that's, that's what Jesus is talking about. Would you agree with me that nothing of value is built without a blueprint? Nothing. Nothing good in our families, nothing good in our finances, nothing good in our futures, nothing good in our faith, nothing good in our church. Nothing good can be built of any value without a clear, precise, detailed set of trusted plans to build from. And I've got great news for you. God wrote the blueprint for happiness and solid houses built upon solid foundations when he wrote his word. And he gave it to us. God's authoritative word is supreme and wise builders will submit to its instructions. I got some great stuff for you, but we're gonna have to go just sprint. So get your, get your pens ready because they're gonna be smoking right now, okay? But I wanna answer the question because we have to answer this question. Why would, why would I believe that God's word is supreme? Why would, I, why would I submit to the authority of God? What makes it authoritative? What makes it supreme? I'm gonna give you seven things that make God's word supreme. Get ready, here we go. The first one is that it is inspired. I know, those of you who have been around for a long time, you've heard these things before. I don't care. Required knowledge. 
needs to be repeated. It's inspired. It means it's God breathed. Second Peter 1.20 says this, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men, here it is, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And you might be like, wait, did you just say God wrote the Bible? Yes, we did. But I thought men wrote the Bible. Yes, they did. Okay. <laughs> John MacArthur puts it this way, and I, I love it. He writes this, the writers of the scriptures raise their spiritual sails and allow the spirit to fill them with his power, breath, or his powerful breath of revelation as they penned his divine words. It's a great divine human cooperative that took place in the writing of the scripture. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God. We call it the verbal plenary inspiration. You're like, what? All that means is that every single word is inspired. All of the scripture is inspired and has been breathed out by God. It's inspired. The second thing is it's infallible, which means it's absolutely true. It is safe, it is sure, and it is reliable. Do you know that the Bible was written by 40 quite different people? 40 people wrote the scriptures. Farmers, shepherds, religious leaders, kings, paupers, fishermen. The educated wrote the scriptures. The uneducated wrote the scriptures. Over 40 40 different writers of the scriptures over a 2,000 year time span. And the, the miracle of the scripture is that they all agree on the same thing. They're all pointing to the same person, that is Jesus Christ, and they agree in every level. That's miraculous, my friends. Second Samuel 22, verse 31 says, this is God and his way is perfect and the word of the Lord proves true. Psalm 19, verse seven, the instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. And the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Scripture is inspired, it's infallible. Here's a third thing, it's inerrant. Inerrant, which means it, may, it has no mistakes. It's entirely true and it's entirely trustworthy. God has spent took taken his power to preserve his word over time so that we can trust it. Proverbs 30 verse five says, every word of God proves true. People have tried to prove it otherwise, but they can't do it. <coughs> Number four, it's complete and it's closed. Do not add to it or take away from it. Revelation 22, this is Jesus Christ speaking through John and John puts it down on paper and this is the warning. I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. The last thing you wanna be doing is get caught um, messing with God and his word. That's all I would say about that. Number five is sufficient. I told you we're going fast. I'm running out of time fast. Which means it's enough. We don't need anything more. 
Back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word has everything to say about everything you need to know about your life and godliness. Number six, I'm really sorry I'm going so fast, but I want to get to the end here and talk to you about something. It's effective, which means it does its job. It's a clear, plain message everyone can understand. Isn't that interesting? And you know what it has to be supercharged with? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has to, and we can study this out um, at another time, we have in the past, but the Holy Spirit has to enlighten your heart and mind. Otherwise, everything in here is foolishness to your heart and to your mind. The Holy Spirit has to wake you up and shake you awake and open up your heart, open up your mind to the truth of it for it to change you. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and it is powerful. It cuts like a knife, exposing our innermost thoughts and desires. Look at Isaiah 55.11. My word that goes out from my mouth It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Lastly, it's eternal, which means it will last forever. Psalm 119, 160 says, all of your words are true and all your just rules will stand forever. All right, everybody take your Bible. Take your Bible in your hands and hold it close. I want you to listen to me to this now, okay? You are holding the inspired, infallible, inerrant, complete, effective, eternal, powerful, living, supreme, superior, sufficient word of Almighty God right here. It's the word that is supernaturally charged by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, 4, yeah, 4, 4, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can't do it without the word of God. You can't really live without the word of God. You won't survive without the word of God being the authority over your life and the guide and the blueprint and the plans for your life on how to build. This is foundational. If you don't get this, none of the other things we're gonna be talking about in the weeks to come will make any sense at all. You won't be able to do it if you don't have God as the authority over your life. If we're going to stand against the enemies of God, if we're going to stand against the heresy of false teachers and doctrines that are going to increase and come against us, if we're going to stand in the marketplace of relativism, if we're going to be able to stand against the pull that our emotions have on us to drag us into the lustful desires of our own hearts and our own minds, then we must seek how to know, accept, and submit to the power and authority of God and his word in our lives. And when we do, 
We will build on a foundation that will never be moved and it will actually save us from ourselves. If you use God's word as your plan and as the blueprint for building, you won't make mistakes. If you follow this, you won't make the mistakes you'll make on your own trying to figure it out on your own. Got it? You want some homework? No. <laughs> Who said no? I did. Okay, you need, at the end of the service, you come and repent right here. You, <laughs> um, here's the homework. Here's the challenge. I would love this. I would, I would love this. In fact, I would make you do it if I could. If I could make you, I would, do, I would make you do this. Every single person, every single person making this decision right here. I'm going to get into God's word every day. Every day for 30 minutes for 30 days. Now, we've already made the commitment to bowing our knee for 30 days and see what change that's going to bring about, okay? But the challenge is this. Are you listening? Are you listening? Because you, you have your head down. You know, like, I don't know if you're praying or you're just ignoring me. I want you to hear this, okay? I'm gonna be in God's word every day. How many, day, how many days? 30. No, every, every day. Every day. I know you and you gotta get it in your head. Every day. Every day, okay, for 30 days, and I'm gonna spend 30 minutes in God's word. Do any of you have 30 minutes in a day to give to God? Yes. Does anybody, is anybody too busy? To, I mean, I get it, you know, you're really busy. Anybody too busy to give God just 30 minutes? Okay, so that's the challenge. 30 minutes in God's word every day for 30 days. Nothing will stop you. Unstoppable, you're unstoppable. I won't let anything stop me. I will not lay my head on my pillow and close my little eyes to sleep until I have spent 30 minutes in God's word every day for 30 days. Okay, that's gonna take some discipline to do that. It's gonna take some discipline. We, we talked last week, no pain, no Okay, so is it okay to say that it takes some painful discipline to get yourself into God's word every day? Is it okay to admit that? Nod your head. Yes, it is. Okay? Everything of value takes discipline. And so it's going to take some hard work. It's going to take some discipline. Some of you are going to fail like I did this week, right? If you read my email, you know, I'm, the first day I get up and go through my routine, and I'm like in the car on the way to church going, no, I forgot to kneel. I didn't bow, and I'm the one who said it. Okay, so you just get up the next day and do it. You make it right. You just go, you know. Don't like, oh, I failed, yes. I failed yesterday, so I'm just going to eat ding-dongs the rest of the day today. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what we do. That's not, you know, like, you're not going to get skinny doing that, all right? Okay? If you ate ding-dongs today, stop eating them tomorrow. Just stop, okay? And just don't do it anymore. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, 30 days Every day, 30 days, 30 minutes in God's word. Anybody up for the challenge? Okay, let me tell you something. Let me promise you something, okay? I'm gonna promise you something. If you will do this. Now listen, we're not talking about, okay, 30 minutes, I gotta do it. 30 minutes, there you go, I got it. 
That is not what we're talking about. You won't grow in that at all, okay? What it is is this. Study it. Meditate on it. Go slow. Read something that's meaningful. Yeah, I don't know what to read. I haven't started doing this. My suggestion is if you haven't been doing this at all, get out the book of John, the gospel of John, and just start reading through the gospel of John. And you'll fall in love with Jesus anew and afresh like you haven't in a long time, and you'll get to know him. Read a chapter. I could tell you what I have done for years and years and years. I mean, for like a, a long time I've been doing this, since I was a young man. Read the proverb of the day every day. What does that mean? Well, there's 31 proverbs. There's either 30 or 31 days in a month. So today I would get up and read Proverbs chapter four and I would spend time in Proverbs chapter four and I would let, that's an amazing chapter by the way, men. And I would read it and I would write a verse down that really stands out to me and I would hold it with me and I would meditate on that and I would memorize that and I'd carry it with me and I would share it with somebody during the day as I'm talking about, man, you know what I read in the Bible today? And I would share that with them throughout the day and I would do that every day, I would read that. I've spent time in, with the Lord in certain years where I've decided, decided I'm gonna go through the Psalms that way and I'm gonna read a Psalm a day every day and I'm gonna spend time in that and I'm gonna meditate on that and I'm gonna study it out and I'm gonna get a, get a commentary out and read some more on it that somebody else has done extra deep study on it and I'm gonna learn about it and I'm gonna eat his word for myself and I'm gonna, I'm gonna feast on it. There's all kinds of things you can do. You can get Bible studies, but get in the word of God. Can I say this? Just read God's word. There's really good stuff out there. But there isn't any other book written by any other man other than God's word that has the promise that it is Holy Spirit supercharged with the power of the Holy Spirit that is alive, that will cut right to your heart of your matter and will cut right into the depths of your soul and point out to you what you need to do other than the word of God. A devotional on the word of God is not the word of God. There's nothing wrong with a devotional. Are you hearing me? Right. Nod your head. Say you're hearing me. I'm not denying. Just if that's all you're reading, if mm. <laughs> Go ahead, Come on, say it. <laughs> if all you're reading is the bread, the like daily bread, not enough. Not enough. They make that so you can read it while you're. They make that so that you can read it in two minutes or three minutes, okay? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about God's word. Open God's word and read it for yourself. 30 minutes every day. You wanna do it? I'm gonna make you a promise. If you will do the work and you will discipline yourself and you will do it every day, that discipline will turn into desire. Can I read you this? Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. This is what God says in Psalm 119. If you will run in the paths of my word, I will enlarge your hearts. Amen. I will give you a desire. I'll put the desire for it. If you'll do it, if you'll run, if you'll do the work, okay? It's hard, it's hard to run. If you'll run in the word, 
In the paths of my word, I will enlarge your hearts. And so if you keep going for another 30 days, it will turn into a desire and your words will be like David where he says, oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all day long. Jeremiah says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them and they are my joy and my heart's delight. Which is the third thing. Because if you do the 30 days of discipline and then you're like, man, I love this. This is the desire for me now. And you do the 30 days of desire, it's gonna turn into delight. And then you'll be at this place where I'm not missing it. I don't care what happens, I'm not missing it. I'm gonna do it. If you do, I promise you, it will drastically change your life. God will be able to use you in ways you never dreamed possible because you've opened your heart to his word. You'll be more obedient, which will bring more pleasure and more blessing in your life of the Lord because you're you're living in obedience because you've got the word that is pouring over you. And we read it from the beginning in in 2 Peter chapter one. Grace and peace in abundance will come into your life through the knowledge of the Lord and the knowledge of God. You up for it? I can't wait to hear the stories. If you mess up, send me a note. Just say, Phil, I woke up and remembered I didn't do it. You know what my thing will say, what I will say to you, what my response will be? Okay, forget yesterday, get up and do it today. Enough said? All right, stand up, let me, let me leave you with this. These are Jesus' words. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for giving it to us in the way that you have. I thank you for the power that it has to work in our lives. I pray that as my brothers and sisters and I submit to it, to the authority of it, make it supreme, let it sit on the top of our world that every day that we are in your word, that you will bless us, that you will grow us, inspire us so that you can use us. So I pray for these things to happen and I pray for strength for all of us to discipline ourselves in your word. Every morning, bowing our knees before you, declaring you, giving you first place in our lives, Lord Jesus, and then setting your word in a place of authority over our lives as we read it and study it and meditate on it and put it to practice. Help us with this, Lord. I can't wait to see what you're gonna do with a church that is full of the power of the Holy Spirit through the word every day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you need anything prayed over, we have a prayer team up here every week that would love to pray over you. God bless you as you go.